Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ideas Matter by William Collins. The big ideas of our times discussed by the brightest thinkers. It's 10 o'clock exactly, and the editors of William Collins, publishers of fine writing for over 200 years, have gathered for the weekly podcast meeting. Today, for reasons known only to themselves, they're doing this. Elton John's is something like me. Yes. Will Smith's was Will. What this is exactly is choosing the name of their memoir from their mother's maiden name and the last word of the last book they read. Mine's pretty bleak. It's Cargill Burial Rites. Tom. That's three words, isn't it? Doesn't understand the rules. Carlos. Lopez and Mind. Lopez Lopez Mind. mind. They're slightly better. Arabella. So mine would be Matheson. Okinawa. Really gets into it. Exotic. Whilst Miles and mine Stafford Merlin commits to type. <laughs> but I don't really You're the next pet. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, yeah. Needless to say, uh, this attempt to create a meme is not going to set literary Twitter alight. This week, I think it's your turn, Carlos. Who have you got for us? I have Magnus McFarlane Barrow with us this week. Hello, I'm Magnus McFarlane Barrow, and the idea that we're going to be discussing today is what is the essence of charity? So for those uh, listeners who aren't aware of Mary's Meals, can you just tell us a little bit about how it all started? It's a pretty crazy story. It is, it is. It's, uh, Magnus and uh, his brother were in a pub somewhere in, uh, in the dark end of Scotland and uh, we're watching the news and it was the early 90s and um, it was um, obviously the war going on um, in Yugoslavia and they were seeing all the, the, the UN involved and, and bringing in supplies and, and helping people that had lost absolutely everything, people that were starving. So Magnus and, um, and his brother decided to kind of rally around and, and get friends and family involved in bringing food and supplies to this shed. In two days, the shed was absolutely full of food and things. Um, so they packed their Land Rover and, um, and drove to, um, to Yugoslavia. Um, I think they joined the convoy, uh, the UN convoy. You know, it started small and it gradually grew and grew and grew. And uh, the book that we did with Magnus, um, The Shed That Fed a Million Children, that was released about four years ago now. They've now close to feeding two million children. So, yeah, that's how it started. 
So the other marvellous thing about Mary's Meals is that it's also involved with education of children, isn't it? So it's the idea that they get a meal yeah. whilst they're also getting education. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, since then, Magnus has been on a, on a mission to educate and to feed. Um, there's no point, you know, trying to educate children that are hungry. So bringing those two together and also bringing in the community to serve out the meals and be involved in this is not just let's just throw money and, and drop food there, but let's actually work with the communities and, and get them involved in actually raising their life and, and lifting them out of where they are. So, dear listener, switch off the big light, pop on your slippers and enjoy the time we're about to spend with Magnus McFarlane Barrow in conversation with his editor, Carlos Darby. From the very beginning, we realised that if this was going to work, it would have to be owned by the local community more than it was owned by us from outside. And so we set it up that way from the beginning. We invited local communities to, to organise volunteers to do the daily cooking and serving of the food. And that's the way we began, with one small school in Malawi. And almost immediately we could see it wasn't just a nice idea, it was something that was really going to work. Because almost immediately kids who'd never been to school before began coming because of the promise of food. And kids who used come just some days began coming every day and so very quickly the neighboring school along the road came to us and said can we have Mary's meals as well please and we said yes and the next one and the next one yeah. and and then meanwhile back here we were starting to tell people about this new um, work of ours this simple initiative that w- that was having such an impact and and a whole new growth and support happened. At that point, most of our support was in the UK, but very rapidly it began to become this international support and it allowed us to say yes to the, to the schools that kept coming. From that point to where we are today, we've, we've grown so that we're now serving those meals in 18 countries every day, most of those in Africa, uh, also India, Haiti, Myanmar, and always that same simple thing, one meal every day in a place of education, always cooked and served by local volunteers. So lots of very different places, but that same simple thing. Yeah. Do you think because it's been so simple in terms of, you know, the, I guess the ethos of it, it's the reason why it's just been able to grow so easily and so exponentially? I think it's a huge, huge part of it. Uh, and, and it's something we try to be disciplined about. And it's not its not a straightforward thing I've found over the years to keep something simple. Uh, sometimes for very good reasons. You know, all, people see the other needs. You know, p- people will come back and, um, or having visited one of those communities will say, there's a real need for water or we need to do something about agriculture or HIV AIDS and why don't we do that too? And for me, our, our call is to do this one crucial thing and to do it very very well and yes those other needs are very real and therefore we need to collaborate with the other people who are doing great things in those areas but not we feel for us it would be a mistake to think we can do we can do it all or we're experts in everything so that simplicity yeah. you talk about is really at the very heart of of Mary's Meals. Yeah so you know if, if people you know they, if they google you and you know they, they see a video of you you know in Haiti or, or you know in, somewhere in Africa and they kind of think oh my goodness this Magnus is like a saint you know he's just <laughs> this unbelievable man um, but you're a real man and you know you have your faults as well as like all of us you're very human um, so tell us one thing about you that maybe your wife might tell you off about or you know bring it back to actually you know I'm really really messy in the house or just something that people maybe don't know about you as a as a person yeah 
Um, yeah, and, and you you were mentioning various awards that have come our way over the years. It's, it's definitely my wife that should be getting a medal for <laughs> for that, and and uh, for for uh, she's amazing. And 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 y yes, you mentioned Messi. It so happens that is definitely one of my big failings. That would be a topic of conversation at, at home. Uh, would be a messiness and and. Uh, I, I suppose uh, some people might describe me as a bit scatterbrained at times, maybe <laughs> thinking about something rather than focusing on the, the, the thing in front of me yeah. uh, sometimes. And uh, yeah, our, we've got seven kids, so our house is a little bit a little bit crazy at times. Absolutely. So what, yeah. what's the, the, the you know do the kids kids gang up on you and kind of get you know do they do they get at you about the same things or you know how does it how does dynamic at home work actually with yeah they seven? go through different different phases I have no idea why when I was just left home two days ago and I haven't even discovered which yet but some of the younger kids have decided it's very funny to put an unusual object in my bed before I go to bed as so I went to bed last <laughs> night and there was a bottle of tomato ketchup under my pillow I have no idea what that that was about I'll discover when I get home this I'm, time. I'm sure you'll find yeah. out I'm sure you'll find out. <laughs> Just to bring it back a little bit to to when you were as a kid, you know, yeah. um, growing up, it was it Argyle. Yes. You, you grew up. Obviously, you know, you, you you kind of look at the people around you, and they kind of went into certain types of jobs. Did you have any idea that you would end up doing what you do today? Absolutely none. No, absolutely none. I I, I uh, I'm probably like many boys there was a big part of me that just wanted to be my dad to do what my dad did and he was a deer stalker and a fisherman spent all right. days in the hills yeah. and uh and i would spend days and days with him doing that and i loved that and yeah. i i suppose i had a notion in my mind that that i would that i would do something like that maybe working farming or something yeah. and, and uh and i did to a degree after uh left school i became a fish farmer and worked outside for for many years so that that was really my expectation i never uh, I was reasonably good at school, but I never loved school. I've never really been an academic or enjoyed that very much. And, and uh, so, no, I certainly never, ever expected to be doing this. But, you, you know, um, just talking about your parents, can you tell us a little bit about the example that they set for you growing up? Yeah, they're, they're quite unusual people, my mum and dad, and I kind of recognise that more as I get older. You know, th there'd be lots of things, but just a couple of examples of kind of, I suppose, thinking back at now quite radical decisions you know mm. f first of all they turned our home into into a christian retreat center and 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 that was really just a matter of opening the doors of what had been a, a guest house they're they're how they earned their living to support us um they just opened their doors and said anyone who wants to come and stay and spend time in prayer with us you're welcome mm. and that's been happening all these years since and it's been really blessed but the, at, at the time it was a crazy thing to have done, really, yeah. um, and quite uncomfortable. Even for me, I was a teenager at the time, young teenager, and, and uh, suddenly found our house full of all these people, you know, and yeah. didn't always love that, to be honest, and and, yeah. and then did start to love it as more and more amazing people came. So that, was, and then another um, uh, example when I was about twelve, and I was the youngest of, in the family at that point. Uh, my mum and dad decided to foster uh, a child who'd been abandoned, uh, who we eventually adopted and became my younger brother, Mark. And as he was seven years old uh, and had, a, had had a really, really terrible uh, life and had a serious illness. So there were people like that, that, that did very unusual things and set, uh, without me realising it at the time, setting a, an interesting example. And even years later, when this work began, 
I think many parents might have been concerned about me giving up my job and selling my house and they were just completely behind that and, and uh, yeah. supportive of it. And talking about family, by what I've read and, and seen, um, you and uh, Gerard Butler um, have become quite close, um, obviously another fellow Scotsman and um, obviously everyone knows him from all the action movies. Just tell us more about your relationship with him and, and how you've how you got involved in, in Mary's Meals and, and all the all the things that he's involved in now. Yeah. It was quite funny actually a couple of weeks ago apparently I'm not really on social media but apparently he tweeted something uh, he described me as his sweet wee brother and so I got immediately got a message from, from my real older brother saying he doesn't know you very well really does he? <laughs> but uh, uh, he's a great guy he's a, he's a, a really um, um, fun person to, to be with. Uh, he's a person with a very big heart, and it was really it was really interesting the way he got involved and how we met. So I, I got an award from from CNN a few years back, and I had to go to this uh, ceremony in Los Angeles, and they they choose a celebrity to present this award, and and so they chose Jerry Butler to give me this award, and I'd never met him before until actually on the stage in front of all these thousands of people, and I was very nervous about the whole thing, and. As soon as we went off stage, Jerry said to me, "Oh, my my mum in Scotland's a big fan of yours. I need to get a selfie with you to to, to <laughs> send her." So he like he turned the whole thing around the yeah. other way, yeah. and, uh, and 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 it turned out his mum was a huge supporter of our work, and and Jerry was just from the beginning from that encounter really genuinely interested in what we were doing and how he could help. And even that first meeting, we started talking then about maybe you could come and see see it yourself. And mm. a wee while later, he came to Liberia with me. And more recently, he's been to, to Haiti. And he, he's one of these people, you know, I know it's, a, it's a topical thing at the moment, isn't it, about celebrities and, and their, their work to raise awareness of, of charities. And for me, I, I love the fact that Jerry and some other people who've helped us, they, they, they're doing that for us because they're Mary's Meals supporters. And, and, and it's secondary that they happen to be celebrities and they choose to use that reach of theirs to help our work rather than being people we we wheel in to to endorse us yeah absolutely yeah. A absolutely i mean and and you can you can really tell that he's ha having an absolute blast with those kids and it's all genuine and it's all um heartfelt and um and I think, yeah, I think it's amazing that people can use their platform to obviously to share about the amazing work that you're doing. Um, and and can you just briefly tell us about, you know, what's going to be happening um, in Haiti in particular? Because I think that's something that, you know, obviously was in the media a lot. But, you know, it's like things are in the news, you know, there's other things that go on. And, and sometimes people can forget about certain places. And I'm particularly interested in that. What's going on in Haiti with Mary's Meals at the moment? Yeah, I mean, Haiti... Uh is a place where so many children are, are suffering, you know, and I know a lot of people now associate Haiti with the earthquake, and, and that was certainly um, a dreadful event that made things even worse. Um, but that, but that, that terrible level of poverty was there long before the earthquake, and it's still there now. So we, we are um, serving these meals to kids living in um, urban slums. Uh, one urban slum in particular that's notorious called City Soleil, where about half a million people live on what was a rubbish dump. Um, many, many children there never go to school. Many children chronically malnourished. And, and the meals we're serving there are bringing many of those kids into school for the first time. And then we've grown out from there and we're now in the 
in the central plateau in the mountains and and um, serving communities there, many of which you can't reach by by roads. So they are there. I was there recently with Jerry Butler. In fact, and the local community come down with with their donkeys to collect uh, our food at the bottom of the mountain. Just another example of how they own it, how they how they really make this happen. And uh, so we 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 have a huge desire to to reach more schools that are waiting in those communities in, in Haiti. How many, how many, how many children are there in in Haiti that you could potentially be helping? Well, I think at the moment we are, you know, I don't know the exact number, but at the moment we're we are feeding in in the region of thirty thousand children every day, uh, and I would say I need to check my figures, but I think there's probably about two million children of primary school age in Haiti, and the majority of them would be without school meals at the moment. Wow, it's a huge number, isn't it? Yeah. And, okay, well, let's move on to the to the new book. Love is a journey back to the heart of charity, and um, obviously, you know, charity has a bit of a, you know, a mixed name at the moment. You know, it's been in the media a lot. Um, you know, you, you see kind of negative reports related to some of the big charities. Obviously, you know, we 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 want to to bring light to to the word charity and actually help people understand it. And and I know that this book is going to really help people understand the essence of charity and maybe, you know, um, bring people back from a, a negative perception to a positive perception of charity. But was that was that the driving force for you to to want to write this new book? What what was the the, the core I guess uh, motivation to to write this this new book? Yeah, I just I just feel um Charity is just this beautiful thing, this human virtue is part of what makes us human. You know, I, th- I think it's when we humans are at, at our best, you know, when, yeah. when we're participating in charity in lots and lots of different ways, you know, and I think that's what makes it particularly sad um, when those of us who have a responsibility for organising charity get that wrong you know and allow it to get a bad name so so there's that the kind of desire almost to defend charity or to to elevate this beautiful thing um and and i think uh, alongside that there, there there's uh there can be a confusion about what charity is i think we use the term in so many different ways we apply it to so many different kinds of activity um i, I suppose you know part of this book is is about going back to the very basics and asking ourselves that question what is charity in 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 essence so so that, that that's that's really um what gave me the desire to to write the book and and and, and i suppose what what gave me the courage to write it is just just this amazing experience i've had all these years um of of lots and lots of encounters of remarkable acts of charity and lots of very very different kinds of charity and very different kinds of people participating in them from different backgrounds and different parts of the world and 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 so i wanted to to draw on that um and and uh, that's what i'm trying to do yeah. yeah absolutely so from all the stories and the people that you've met over the last you know 20 odd years with Mary's Meals is there a particular story that every now and again you just think of think of and you know really touches your heart still to this day I mean that, that's quite a hard question to answer only just because there are genuinely so many every day like really every day and and and, and a lot of them uh, more and more I'm noticing are are our kids and what they are doing in 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 schools and so on but but maybe to choose one I'll just I'll just choose a, a fairly recent one and that was um so Mary's Meals was born 
relatively recently in the Czech Republic, uh, a fundraising and awareness raising um, organisation there, and it was growing remarkably rapidly. You know, so I've seen a lot of organisations start for Mary's Meals, but this one was really um, caught my attention because I, I couldn't understand why it was growing so fast. So I had a, um, a reason to go there eventually a, a few months back, and I was speaking at a, a Christian charismatic conference there. And the people who founded Mary's Meals in, in the Czech Republic uh, invited me to lunch. So I was I was chatting to them, and they were just wanting to know about Mary's Meals. But I was trying to turn it back on them and ask, why, how did you, why did you start Mary's Meals here? And eventually, after some persevering, they told me their story, which was they, they owned a small business, an estate agency. They lived in a modest apartment in the city and it had always been their dream to one day build a family home. They had a 18-month-old child uh, playing with us at the table. And so they got to a stage where their business was doing well enough and they bought the land for their house and they got, had an architect uh, drop the plans and they showed me the plans and it certainly was a dream family home. And they said they got to this point in the project and at that moment someone happened to give them a copy of my book which had been translated into Czech. And uh, they started reading it and they started saying to each other, do you think we really need this new home? Do you think this is what God wants us to do? <laughs> and the conversation went on, and they got to a point where they decided, no, we're going to stay in our apartment, it's enough for us, and we're going to put all that money we saved all these years into Mary's Meals and to allow it to be born here in the Czech Republic. And that's what they've done. And that's why this thing has just grown like wildfire in the Czech Republic. Man, that, that's quite a humbling story to hear. Um, yeah, that's the word, by the way, because I just felt I didn't, I couldn't speak when they told me that story because I just felt so small in the face of that, yeah. of that act of generosity and this huge sense of responsibility too for this movement when people would do that for it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you you were talking about just bring the, the book. The motive behind the book is to really, you know, um, bring people back to the essence of charity. If, if, in a few words, what what would you say that essence really is in, in terms of this is what charity looks like with skin like this is what it is outworked yeah. would you say that the the couple in in you know the czech republic is that or how how would you how would you be able to define it to somebody that doesn't quite yeah. understand what charity means? i mean i think that czech republic couple and that, that act of of charity is a you know is obviously a, a, a very radical act of charity a very profound act of charity and that that moves us all when we encounter something like that yeah. um but there are many ways to live charity. We don't all have to give up our our own home. Um, but I, I would say, you know, in essence, charity is love. That's what it is. It's it's love made manifest through through our through our actions, through our decisions to share something of what we have, and 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 that might most obviously be our money or our material goods, but it can be in other ways as well, sharing our time. Uh, just making time for people to talk to talk to them um, if that's what they're needing at that moment in time. So, yeah, I, I think it's the work of love. And, and as I say, I think it is what sets humanity apart. Um, and, 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 and then there's a, you know, as, as, a, as a Christian, um, th there's that aspect of this as, as, as well, as, as charity being something that, that God has planted 
in our hearts, it seems to me, you know, in, in, in all our hearts, regardless of our faith, uh, you know, or our beliefs, um, that it seems to me that this is a universal thing. Wherever I go in the world, I encounter people that, that have this deep within them, this desire to, to help others who are suffering in, in, in some way or another. So it's something very, very um, deep within us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously we've just touched on... Um, on I guess the the macro the charity charity sector I just kind of wondering what would you say to someone that's very skeptical about charities and, and, and giving money or giving time to charities how can we regain people's trust yeah I mean first of all I would just like you know I, I, I do think um, that, that, that some things have gone wrong and there's some things we need to do better um, but but meanwhile there are all these incredible charitable organizations out there doing doing good work every day and who do have the trust of many people but it, but it definitely is an issue that when when certain things go wrong that might be quite high profile it, it impacts everyone um who are trying to gain support for the, for their own uh mission um I, I i think a lot of it is about um about respect for the people we're serving and whatever our particular charitable mission might be about and and I think I think that's when we can start to go wrong as people who work for or lead charities if we start to forget who we serve and and why we serve them and 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 that can be in the most obvious sense if we're talking about something like Mary's meals in an obvious sense we serve those children that we feed every day and if we forget that and if we get caught up in our you know, like numbers or targets or, you know, uh, if it becomes all about our income and, and we get driven around that and our own success or, you know, that 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 we can lose sight of that very easily. And, 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 and also, at the same time, when we're thinking about who we serve, it's also that other side of our work, which is the people uh, who support our work by sharing and doing those acts of charity. We, we serve them too. They're, they're, not, they're not just some nuisance that fundraising bit so we can do the good work over there for me that's an intrinsic part of our work and mm. and when i think about fundraising i don't think about it in the sense of us trying to take something away from somebody i think if you do fundraising in a genuinely respectful way of the person in front of you we actually bring a gift to the person when we say do you want to be part of this mission do you want to you want would you like to share some of what you have because my experience over and over again is when people do that they become they become more fully human they become more happy more joyful uh so so i i think for me you know there's various aspects to it but i think that when i've seen things go very wrong when we make mistakes i think it normally starts with a loss of respect for the people that we're serving This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And you mentioned um, about joy and the joy of giving and the impact that giving has on the individual, um, both at the end and, and the person obviously giving. Um, and, you know, you just have to look at, um, you know, look at the news and, and look at um, levels of depression and anxiety and, you know, lots of things connected to social media and comparison. Can you tell us a little bit of how what you feel the impact could be on, on people's mental health and, and stability and just joy? Um, through learning to be to live a more charitable life and it's not just as you said not just you know giving money to charities which is obviously awesome but just in terms of day to day you know living a life that's that's more open and more sacrificial and giving to other people yeah i mean i i, I see it you know and and, and i've experienced it in my own life I, th- I think you know when we are when we're tempted to to kind of um shut the doors and look inward and think about our own problems or what we want or what we desire um, I don't think that generally brings us to a happier place that's my own experience anyway I I, I, I feel that somehow we are we are created to be people who are charitable mm-hmm. created to be people who, who share who look outwards who are thinking about other people and, and, and if we can do that and it's not always easy when we've got our own problems to deal with but if we can do it I, I, I think generally we do become happier people we, we become more joyful people um, in that you know and, 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 and I think it's really important to think about works of charity that that, that way that, 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 that we think about both aspects of, of charity that, that um, like I said that, that sense of when we're fundraising it's not taking away it, it, it's giving and, and that that the, the well-being of of every person involved in our mission is important. Whether it's the the sort of the beneficiary, as it were, the child who who eats in our case, um, as well as the person who gives. We we want the best for both of those individuals. We want mm-hmm. both of those individuals to be more alive, more fully human, more more happy. And and I, and I think that is what happens. Yeah. Obviously with with charities and and and, and your experience um of running one for t- for 20 years, w- you know, if you could start Mary's Meal again today with all the experience that you've 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 gained, what would you do differently? It's difficult because it has been so blessed, you know, and and not of my own making, that's for sure. You know, if I was to pick one, I suppose looking backwards, maybe at times I wish I would have been even more confident in this in this particular mission of of ours to be even more confident in people's 
goodness, to be mm. to maybe to be even bolder about the amazing things that can happen when you when you really trust in that uh, goodness. Because there can be a temptation to think that you have to conform to the way other people have done things or the expectations that other people might have and and a fear of almost being laughed at if you if you have too ambitious uh, a, a vision or, or a boldness about taking risks um, based on that confidence in, in people. So, you know, certainly I've got things wrong in lots of different ways and made lots of different mistakes, but looking back in it, that would be one of the ones that would probably come to mind most of the times. I wish I'd been even, even bolder. Braver. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And obviously, you know, I just want to kind of touch on this um, being the, the Babylon religious person here at uh, William Collins, but your faith and the impact that it's had when you're in 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 certain countries and you're you're seeing children that are starving and you know you you you're, you're there and you're obviously helping but you know you've got a way out and you've got a family at home as well and just seeing the comparison and, and is is there is there something that you want you'd like to share about the impact that your work has had on on you personally and and your and your faith personally um yeah de- definitely i mean i think it's both ways round i think i think um my faith and the faith of others who founded this work and who've led this work has really shaped it, has really influenced the mission and the way we do it. And some of those things we were just talking about, um, about a, a deep respect for the, you know, for every individual human being. And a lot of our values and our organisational values are really dear to us. We've taken a lot of time to, to write those down. They, they guide our decision make, making. A lot of those would have been um, informed by our, our Christian heritage, yeah. whilst at the same time being an organisation that is universal, that's made up of people of all faiths and no faiths. Yeah. So, so absolutely, uh, my faith has definitely shaped our mission. And then, yes, the other way round, my my experience, it just seems like this incredible privilege. So, so quite often I've been asked a question like that that you just asked around isn't it a huge challenge to your faith to go and see that suffering yeah. and and it's a challenge to go and see suffering like that yes I, I've never genuinely felt like it's a challenge to my faith and really the other way around because every experience I've had even the the worst ones like after the Haiti earthquake or after the tsunami or during wars maybe in particular when you see what what fellow human beings can do to each other in certain situations always in the midst of those um, circumstances I've encountered incredible acts of goodness of, of startling um, acts of kindness by, by people in those situations things that have really humbled me and, and, and so often I encounter people who are who have this incredible faith, people who are the poorest of the poor, people who have nothing materially, people who genuinely don't know where the next meal is coming from, mm. who have this living faith and trust in God. And and over and over again, I feel evangelised by by them, you know? Yeah. And, and, and so... Um, and, and, and even just thinking about the church globally, you know, we're in a place here in the West where... Um, as Christians, we might feel a bit battered and bruised at times, our reputation tarnished, you know, for all the things that we've got wrong. Um, it's a very beautiful thing to go and um, 
see other parts of the church where it doesn't feel like that, where you see the church at the forefront of tackling injustice and, mm. and poverty and in the heart of those communities and loved by those communities. Yeah, that's amazing. Absolutely. What do you want people to, after reading Love Is, what do you want people to go away with? How, how do you want them to be different and how do you want them to go about their daily life after reading this book? Well, I, I hope it... I hope it um, it might be an encouragement to people uh, in their in their own journeys through charity. And we've all got different journeys in that regard. We're all called to do different things and address different problems, but there's no shortage of things to be, <laughs> to be addressed, that's for sure. Even our own families and our own street, never mind going to, to Africa. Mm. Um, so I hope it encourages all of us to realise we all can do something mm. personally and, and, and that maybe by doing that, our lives might become even better lives than they are already. Yeah, absolutely. And just the final question, what what do you see for the immediate future, maybe the next you know couple of years? Do you have a vision for 10 years or is a few years enough for you at the moment? <laughs> yeah. Well, I know at the very beginning of this work, sometimes I would share that our vision is that every child in this world should at least be able to eat one mm. good meal every day in their, in their place of education. And and I know, understandably, at the beginning, sometimes would look at me like this guy's lost the plot, you know, to have an ambition like that or a vision like that. Yeah. And and I have to say, in all honesty, as the years go by, that that vision for all of us involved in Mary's Meals burns ever more brightly. It's it's real. There's more than enough food in the world for every child to eat mm. well every day. Yeah. It's it's possible. Um, so that that vision burns brightly. But but meanwhile, in terms of five year or ten year plans, I still remain quite. Um, averse to number targets not feeling completely in control of, mm. of, of this and, and also that desire that we don't become target driven when we when we fundraise and we put ourselves under pressure if we don't raise X amount this year we've yeah. failed uh, to leave a, a freedom in that yeah we were going to work very very hard to reach the next child and to see that vision mm. realised eventually but but we're not completely in control of the timetables meanwhile yeah, and I guess you can see that through the journey that you've had that things can happen that, you know, just completely come out of nowhere that's just provided at the right time. And there must be an element of you going or just praying about it all the time, constantly, hey, like just that the right opportunity happens. That, exactly. That, that's yeah. right. And, and a lot of the things, the biggest things that have happened to Mary's Meals are things you never would have dared write down in a strategic plan or what, yeah. whatever. So yeah. you have to leave room for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Magnus, I want to leave it there. Um, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to talk to me today. I feel so inspired and I, you know, I just encourage anyone listening to um, to head to the website, obviously, to Mary's Meal to find out more about what is going on globally and all the future projects that you've got going on. Because I know that there's so much that's that's happening in your world at the moment, which is really exciting. So thank you very much again. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you. That was Magnus McFarlane Barrow in conversation with Carlos Darby. Our programme today was brought to you by William Collins, an imprint of HarperCollins Publishers, and was produced by Matt Hill at Rethink Audio. People who helped put this episode together are Tara El Azawi and Jack Chalmers. Share your thoughts on this podcast by emailing ideasmatter at harpercollins.co.uk or on social at WM Collins Books. You can buy The Shed That Fed a Million People as a hardback or ebook, 
where Magnus dives even deeper into the ideas discussed this week. And we'll meet you back here next week when we'll be discussing who really owns England with Guy Shrubsoul. Very few people seem to have heard of the second Doomsday Survey, which was done 800 years later, instigated by the landowning House of Lords as it was in the Victorian period. And basically it was a response to various radicals and reformers who'd been saying, well, hang on a minute, we know, we can surely, surely it's the case that a very small number of people own this country and we want to find out the truth. We want greater fairness. To hear that episode first, don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify and on Acast. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.